You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home Abroad, and I'm honoured to have um, Minister Simon Harris here with me. And he is the Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science, and is currently also serving as Minister for Justice to facilitate the maternity leave of Helen McEntee, and is visiting Canada over the Patrick's month period, because we can't say St. Patrick's Day anymore. Minister, thank you very much for taking the time. It's a real honour to have you here with me. Thank you, Austin. I'm delighted to join you. Thank you so much for the invite. And you're in Vancouver, and I'll go straight to uh, what I understand is one of the key purposes of your visit in that an MOU has been established and signed between the Irish government and the BC government. Um, Can you give us an idea of what the MOU represents, what it's about, and what the implications are? Yeah, so I mean, British Columbia and Ireland actually have so much in common um, for a whole variety of reasons. I think our values, our outlook of life, but also even our population size and the focus that we actually place on education. So I'm, I'm honoured to be a minister in a, in a new government department with that very long title you read out. But actually, it has a very simple purpose. The purpose is to make sure that everybody can reach their full potential, that there's lots of different ways of progressing in education, that we have a focus on skills. And what we want to do is we want to do more with British Columbia. We want to look at partnership opportunities. We already know that lots of young people come out here and spend some of their summer months. Um, and we want to look at how we can have that as a two-way relationship. Um, we've made a commitment uh, to Canada very clearly and to British Columbia over the last while with the opening of our, of our consulate uh, in Vancouver. We've also opened a consulate in Toronto. Uh, we obviously have the embassy in Ottawa. So we've gone from kind of one mission to three in Canada over the last five years. And really this MOU is the next step in, in just trying to deepen that relationship and look for new opportunities to do more things together, whether that's student mobility, uh, whether it's uh, research projects in our universities. So, so that, that, that's where that's at. So, Minister, from a practical perspective, if I live in Ireland, mm. what implications are for me if I were a student or vice versa if I was in BC? Um, what are the pra- pragmatic practical implications? So, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be looking for opportunities for Irish universities and universities in British Columbia uh, to work together and to facilitate person-to-person engagements. So that might mean if you're a researcher in Ireland, you'd be teaming up maybe with a researcher in British Columbia working on a joint body of work. It might mean that if you're a student in Ireland, you might want to come to British Columbia for a semester or a period of your study. And crucially, two-way traffic. If you're here in British Columbia, you might come and, and do some of your college time in Ireland uh, or work on a research project. So that, that, that's the kind of student-to-student, research-to-researcher piece. And then at a policy perspective, it's about me saying to, to my counterpart, and I'll be meeting, I'll be meeting the Minister Selina, uh, Selina Robinson later today to, to talk about how we can, how we can work together on things like skills development. You know, what are the jobs in the future looking like? What are you doing in Ireland that's working well that they can do in British Columbia? What are they doing in British Columbia that we can do in Ireland? And Minister, one of the challenges I know a lot of graduates face when they immigrate is often that the degree that they may have obtained in Ireland is not fully recognised when they come to Canada. Would something like this enhance or make something like that easier? It would indeed, because if we start developing joint programmes, and even if we start having a greater understanding of each other's education system, uh, that can only help. I mean, of course, there are, there are always professions that are, that are regulated professions. And if you move to a country, you obviously have to make sure uh, you, can be, you can comply with that regulation, and that varies country to country. But I think the more we can do kind of joint programmes, joint opportunities to work together on things, the easier that will make for people. And also, the, the more mutually beneficial it is. I mean, 
the challenges that you face in British Columbia are not that different to the challenges we face in Ireland. You know, making sure you have skills, making sure you have enough talent, increasing your housing supply, tackling climate, being an inclusive, diverse community that welcomes people from abroad. You know, these, these, are, these are kind of common issues that we work on. So we might be far away geographically, uh, but actually from a, from a vision and outlook point of view, we're, we're maybe a lot closer than we even realise. And um, on that aspect, I suppose British Columbia, and particularly Vancouver, has a very strong connection with marine. And I know there's a very strong marine aspect to mm-hmm. the Irish um, education at Ireland as well. Is there anything in the marine area that would focus in this? Well, we have we have a number of research centres now in Ireland, and one of the areas that they're looking at is the whole issue of, of, of our oceans. I mean, it's actually quite incredible how little countries know about the water that surrounds them. Um, and we're having a big focus at the moment when it comes to our waters on the whole area of offshore wind. Um, and we're going to really be ramping up the vision of offshore wind. So I'd be very surprised if as we continue to deepen our relationships and particularly in the area of research and um, that we don't start looking at the oceans, the conservation of the oceans, the role that can play in terms of climate action uh, and in terms of renewable energy, because these, these are key challenges and the ocean is a major is a major part of the solution. Minister, while I know education, higher education is your portfolio, um, were there any other areas while you're here in, in Canada that you were paying attention to? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the St. Patrick's Day trips, and as you say, we can no longer call it St. Patrick's Day, but this time of the year, every year, is very important in Ireland because we basically send Team Ireland abroad. So myself and all my colleagues are kind of traveling around the globe. There's about nine of us in North America at the moment, and there's kind of three elements to every program. One is community links, you know, making sure that we can engage with with Irish Canada and making sure that we can get get to know and get to keep in touch with people uh, who have come and made British Columbia and made Canada their home. So I I would have met with people involved in Celtic Fest, that incredible um, free family uh, friendly fun days that run for for, for two days over the weekend at the Vancouver Art Gallery. I would have been last uh, would have been last night in the uh, in, in Smith Bar in, in the Forge, meeting with uh, leading members of the Irish community here in Vancouver. The political element, then also having kind of a number of meetings uh, with political leaders, including uh, I had a meeting, a very good meeting with uh, Selena Robinson, who's the Minister for Post Secondary Education and Future Skills. So my counterpart here uh, in British Columbia, and also business meetings. I mean, there are now over six hundred Irish companies based in Canada, employing 25,000 people. So, I mean, we play, we like to think we play a very big role um, in supporting job creation in Canada, as they do in Ireland. And while I was here, I took the opportunity to meet with, um, obviously, our Consul General, uh, Cathy Gagan, but also to meet with the IDA Ireland, which is our trade and investment agency, and to visit a number of companies um, that, that are Irish in origin, or a number of Canadian companies that invest in Ireland. So, Minister, when you head home and you sit around the cabinet table with your colleagues who, and it comes to a debrief, uh, you've come from all different corners of the world. Does that influence, do you think, where you move forward for the next 12 months? It absolutely does. And I mean, already I can tell you some of the messages that I'll be taking back, uh, back home to Ireland. And one is that the relationships between Ireland and Canada are strong and that the bonds are strong. But I'll also be taking back a message that I picked up here and indeed on the west coast of the United States. These are not historic relationships. So while people talk about the heritage, where they might have been from in Ireland when they moved, when they moved to Canada, and that's important. It's part of their DNA. It's part of who they are. It's part, part of who their family are. They're also relationships about the future, though. They're not just relationships about looking back. 
They're actually relationships about how can we do more together? How in an uncertain world with geopolitical instability can countries that share common values in favour of democracy, inclusion, tackling division, uh, peace and security, how can they work together to do more? Uh, and that's, maybe it's, maybe it's my generation as a politician, but that's, that's my perspective. I never want the relationship between Irish and Ca- Ireland and Canada or Ireland and America to be seen as just a relationship about the past or the nostalgia of the past. It has to be a relationship about what can we do together over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. And I genuinely think the education space uh, is huge in that regard. Minister, you mentioned your generation as a politician. There's always, um, from my generation, a fear that politics um, is challenged to the point that it may discourage good people from potentially entering um, would you have any comments? So I think in general there's been a coarseness of political discourse which I think doesn't serve anybody well and it's not about throwing stones at any one country because we can all see it in our own country but we have to start getting back to playing the ball and not the man or the woman recognising that you can disagree on an issue without actually demonising people um, and we've seen we've seen indeed on this continent and uh, we've seen on the continent of Europe People who try to stoke fear, stoke division, and um, quite frankly, for short-term political gain. And I worry about that. I, I love social media. Anybody who knows me knows I use social media a lot in my politics, in keeping in touch with people and updating people. But I do think it has added also to that coarseness. The idea that you can just send a kind of an anonymous tweet um, runs the risk of kind of dehumanizing uh, politicians. So, I mean, when I go into schools and I visit lots and lots of schools across Ireland, 80 secondary schools in the last year, I always say to young people, is anybody here interested in politics? Put up your hand. And very few do. Very few do. Because they think politics is about often men in grey suits with grey hair, and I'm getting there, shouting and roaring at each other in, in our parliaments. And then I say to them, but are you interested in climate? And, you know, the planet's on fire. What are we going to do to stop it? Hands go up. Are you interested in whether you'll be able to get a job? Hands go up. Are you interested in education and whether you can afford to go to college after school, hands go up. And I say to them, that is politics. So whether you're interested in politics or not, politics is interested in you. And, and I think when you, I think we just need to reconnect with young people about politics is just simply a vehicle to try and bring about change or fix things that irk you in life. And, and, I, and I think we need to get it back to that space. So we all need to kind of tone down the rhetoric, take down the temperature a little bit, and realise that most people in life, not alone politics, are good, decent people going about their lives. You might disagree with them on certain things, but we shouldn't dehumanise them. And I know, Minister, I think in your own case, you have come, you were on the receiving end of some social media attacks, and if I recall correctly, you may have even had people outside your home. Um, Not a very pleasant situation to be in, and you would say, for your wife and your young family. Um, Does your wife... Um, at any point come to your minister and say, you know, why are, why are you doing this? No, because I, th- I think I think I think she knows it's part of who I am. Um, and, you know, the best the, the best advice my own mother always gave me was success is liking what you do. Um, and, you know, I work hard and, and I try to give it my all. But but I really enjoy what I do because I really believe it can make a difference and make an impact. And. Uh, and I think my family, my family know that. So while you can have from time to time unpleasant experience, my general, I wouldn't like anybody listening to this to think that my political experience has been anything other than a very positive one. And um, getting to meet amazing people, getting to 
to do work that I feel is impactful. And every now and again, it's as a small group of whatever you wish to term them. Uh, that's okay in a democracy, but um, it, it doesn't take me or my family um, off, our, off our eye on the goal here, um, which is to make every day count. I'm going to switch gear, Minister, and I'm going to bring you to Hollywood because we've come off the Oscars where yes. the Irish um, were, as with all other aspects of Irish, be it sport or literature or whatever, punched way above the national average. Um, very impressive performances just to be included and nominated. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, it's, it's been an amazing been an amazing time for Ireland. Like Ireland is, a, Ireland is a small country from a population point of view, but it is a global nation. And I genuinely believe, and of course I would, but I think it's true that we do punch above our weight. Um, whether it's in industry, uh, whether it's in our contribution during our time in the UN Security Council over the last 18 months, or whether it's in the arts and culture. And, and while everything didn't go our way at the Oscars uh, this, this year, um, it was quite incredible to see so many Irish nominees and, and that, that has a number of benefits. Obviously, being nominated for Oscars does promote the country. Uh, it does promote the work of film in the country. But I think it also does more. I think it inspires more people uh, to get involved in arts, to get involved in culture. And uh, we've always been uh, known as an island of, of, of scholars and, and artists. And uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's an indication of a very kind of healthy ecosystem in Ireland in the film space. And uh, we'll be back again. Somebody, I heard somebody comment the other day that the Oscars went a bit mayo. I thought that was a very, I thought that was a, that was a rather harsh analysis of Mayo getting to an All Ireland final and then just missing out uh, for so many years. But uh, we'll keep at it. We'll, we'll keep at it in the Oscars. I'm sure Mayo will keep at it too. Uh, Minister, before I let you go, um, I just want to bring you back that you, when you did enter the doll, you were considered the baby. Uh, yes. so I think you were under what 25 years of age or thereabouts, and you very quickly aspired and and were granted a junior ministership. But before entering politics, you you were very active, also in the education sphere, mm-hmm. and you had a passion there. Do you want to just give a little over? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be in politics, or I certainly wouldn't have ended up in politics as young as I did, were it not for my younger brother Adam, who was born with uh, with a form of autism. And I was that young, moody, opinionated teenager in Greystones, County Wicklow, on the east coast of Ireland. And I was irked that I saw the stress and the strain and the worry that my family were going through in terms of accessing a school place, in terms of even just knowing more about autism. And I set up a, I set up a support group in County Wicklow and invited other people living with autism to come along. And we started campaigning when a new secondary school was being built to make sure that that school could support and facilitate students with autism. And I remember Enda Kenny, who your listeners may, may recall, went on to be the Taoiseach of Ireland. He wasn't the Taoiseach at the time. He was the leader of Fine Gael, And he was travelling around the country and he was meeting with disability groups. And I was giving out socks about all that was wrong and all that needed to change. And I remember him saying to me, you can keep on giving out about politics or you can get involved and try to make a difference. And, and that's what happened. And I was very fortunate to be elected to my local authority, to our county council, and then on to the Dáil, to our national parliament. And uh, since then, I've been a, a junior minister for finance in Ireland. Um, I've been the minister for health, including at the start of that global pandemic. Um, I've been the minister for further and higher education and also uh, currently the minister for justice. So it's been a, quite a whirlwind. And minister, it's all my brother's fault. <laughs> minister, I don't want to delay your schedule. I know you have a tight schedule. I do really appreciate you taking the time. And it's been a real honour and pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much, Austin. It's been lovely to talk to you and lovely to talk to Richard Listers.